It's Tuesday, November 5th. I'm Martine Powers. This is an impeachment inquiry update from Post Reports. What has been happening this week in the impeachment inquiry? We are starting to see some of what happened behind closed doors. Karin Demergen covers Congress for The Post. And behind closed doors, current and former administration officials have been testifying to House investigators. The transcripts are starting to come out. They are long because each of these interviews took almost 10 hours each. Not every single one, but many of them. And we're starting to see some of the dynamics of what happened behind closed doors, the details of the information that these witnesses could provide. And it's giving us a view into both what the Democrats' strategy is for building this case, but also what the Republican strategy is for tearing it down. Uh, And I will leave you all to... Review those transcripts. There are a few things that will become immediately clear when you do. And the first is that contrary to the claims of the president and his acolytes on the Hill, that these have been proceedings in which the Republicans have not been able to be present or ask questions. In fact, Republicans were present for all of these depositions. I'm concerned about this whole process that Adam Schiff is running. We just had a vote Thursday. Right. They said they were going to open up the process. And yet we're still meeting down here in the bunker in the basement of the Capitol. I thought this was. Well, I want to get there. But before we do that, who are the people whose transcripts have now been released? We have thus far seen transcripts from Marie Yovanovitch, who was the former ambassador to Ukraine, who was ousted earlier this year, and Michael McKinley, who was a senior advisor to Pompeo at State. What have we learned so far from the transcripts? We've learned the most from the Yovanovitch transcript because she lays out a timeline of when she started to hear from her Ukrainian contacts about the moves that Giuliani was making with Ukrainian officials to try to do something that seemed like it was fishy. And she was being told by her contacts that she personally should watch her back. She was elbowed out. There were people in the Trump administration who wanted to see her gone. And it appears from her testimony, you can see that if her testimony is to be believed, that there are people up the chain in the State Department who want to protect her, but are afraid to say that publicly because they are afraid of stepping in front of Trump and suffering the consequences of just having the whole State Department be undercut. So it gives you a sense of the dynamic of tension, of disagreement, of cross-purposes, really. And what's also interesting about these transcripts is that not only do they provide more insights on what transpired earlier this year with regards to the White House and the administration and Ukraine, but they also offer some insights about how the impeachment inquiry itself has been going. Yeah, it's really interesting to see both the process and the personalities that are on display when you get to look at the entire word-for-word transcript of what happened. So you have staff directors doing a lot of the questioning on both sides. But it's interesting when you see members jump in and here and there. And especially it's interesting on the GOP side because they are, at this juncture at least, the early part of the inquiry, taking a lot of different shots at the probe. You saw a lot of challenging of the process of the legitimacy of Adam Schiff and the Intelligence Committee to even be running the process, questioning witnesses' loyalties and biases and things like that. Now, her testimony was fairly early on, so this may not be a pattern that we see throughout every transcript that's released from here on. But it gives you a view of there is a lot of spaghetti being thrown at the wall here to see what sticks. But it's also interesting that we see from the transcripts that there are moments where Republican members express concern about what is happening during those depositions, being talked about openly, being released to the public— 
even though publicly many Republicans have been critical of the process, saying that there hasn't been enough transparency, that things have not been released to the public. We want to know what's going on. And it's only reasonable that we would have questions because so far, Adam Schiff's impeachment inquiry has been marked by secret interviews, selective leaks. And so it seems like there's some hypocrisy there. Republicans are kind of doing this double thing, right, which is they're saying that the process should be transparent, it should be open, but also criticizing Democrats for alleged leaks and for not keeping tight enough reins on the entire process. You see in the McKinley transcript how Republicans openly call out Jerry Connolly, who is a member of the Foreign Affairs and Oversight Committees, which are two of the three panels that are running this probe, who spoke on the record to reporters about the testimony of Deputy Assistant Secretary of State George Kent. That was the day before the McKinley testimony. And you see like a verbal fistfight basically over whether that was allowed to have happened and whether there's going to be any punishments and there are consequences to be suffered for that. You see in the Yovanovitch testimony at one point that Republican members just go at it with her lawyer over why her opening statement appears to have been made available to the Washington Post and lawyers refusing to answer questions about it and they just ask question after it goes on for pages about, you know, oh, is the Washington Post supposed to have more access to this stuff than we are? Turns out there's a photocopying error that happened with staffers inside the committee, but it just it shows you how very on edge everything is and how worried the Republicans are that Democrats are going to be able to pull the levers of when they do things privately, when they do it in public, and that they have no control over that. And so you do end up having this kind of this headbutter of an argument from the GOP of like, well, we want more transparency, but not now if you don't give it to us the way we want it on our terms. Hmm. And that's probably going to continue until we actually get to an open hearing where everything's just out there. So last week, there was a vote on a resolution that formalizes the impeachment inquiry and also provides some rules and procedures on how it will go forward. What exactly was significant about that resolution and how will it change what we can expect to see in coming weeks? What's significant about that resolution is that it creates a space for a non-traditional way of conducting these open hearings. It also puts a lot of power in the intel committees because it's the intel committee chairman and ranking member who are supposed to be running that show. But it also sets up and importantly um, sets up the rules of, you know, what the president's rights are going to be when he can have counsel present, when they can actually recommend, suggest witnesses to come forward and indicates how everything has to be made public before it gets transferred over to the Judiciary Committee, which will write the articles of impeachment that eventually go to the floor. So that is all going to happen in weeks to come. But right now it is 11 o'clock on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Do we expect that there are going to be more transcripts released in, in coming hours, coming days? I think what we're all looking for is we're wondering when we're going to see the transcripts from people like Gordon Sondland and from Kurt Volker. They were the ones who were told to work with Giuliani on Ukraine policy after Yovanovitch was pushed out of her role and went forward doing that. They are the ones that shared the text messages. They are the ones who were directly communicating with President's Chief of Staff and John Bolton and others who have not come in, may not come in, may come in down the line. We're not sure. But they have a front row seat to all of this because they were the operators of all of it. And so those two transcripts, when we see them, will give us a real close view into what was going on, what decisions were being taken, and what debate was being had. And if people knew at the time that something seemed like a quid pro quo, and if they decided to go ahead with it anyway. And that's going to be really important for having as a foundation. 
Karin Demergent is a congressional reporter covering national security for The Post. On Tuesday afternoon, the House released transcripts from the testimonies of Kurt Volker and Gordon Sondland. Sondland is the American ambassador to the EU. And in a document that was dated on Monday, Sondland amended his earlier testimony. He said that he did, in fact, tell an advisor to the Ukrainian president that, quote, the resumption of U.S. aid would likely not occur until Ukraine provided the public anti-corruption statement that we had been discussing. This is a significant reversal in how Sondland previously characterized his discussions with Ukraine. That's it for this segment of Post Reports. Full episodes of our show come out every weekday afternoon. You can subscribe at postreports.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Martine Powers. Thanks for listening.